The Sundays of Lent are always a time of feast rather than fast. And uh, Mothering Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent, um, as we celebrate it, um, maybe is the real embodiment of that, isn't it? I would imagine that for many uh, families, the you know, including some among our fellowship that might be blessed today by a special meal or by some sort of get-together bringing folk that don't normally see each other. And the root of Mothering Sunday in this country, uh, in our British calendar, is not so much in that taking your mum out and giving her a box of chocolates and a bunch of flowers, but it's about returning to the mother church, the church actually where we had our baptism, the church that maybe nurtured us in our youth, the church that we have grown in in faith. Now, our, our passage today uh, has a father and two sons, and the mum doesn't get a mention. You know. And that's often the case, which I'll come to later. But reading it, we might be made to think of that wasteful son. That it's, a, it's about that son. That son returning home to the place that he grew up. You know, the key character, the, the person this parable of Jesus is focused on, is not that son. It's not the other son. Either. It's neither child, but it's about the parent and about how the parent in this passage has love. Too often we call it the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. This is the heading that we often find in our Bibles, as, as, as Crane pointed out to us. It, it, it's what we've got there. If, if you've got a Bible with you, you could open it and you could see and it says the lost son or the prodigal son. And a quick glance might give us that. It's about the son who travels to a distant place. A distant place which is probably Gentile and by that um to God's people, it meant that he was traveling far from God. But actually, why do we call it after the young son is a bit of a mystery. As a quick read of the text or a deeper study using a, a biblical commentary would reveal it's about the faith of the father, the faithfulness of the father. It's about how 
love continues at all times. It is the parent, the more mature person, that this passage is about. It is the father who is slighted by the younger child's demands for his inheritance. It's the same father who watches for and welcomes the younger son home. It's the father who has compassion, who chooses to have a celebration. It is the father that dresses the son in the new robe. It is the father who longs for the family to be united and pleads with the older son to come to the party. This parable is about the parent having love. And the father has outrageous grace that has no limit. While we, whether we are parents or not, might be tested at times by the actions of others, I would hope that all of us want to do what is true and noble and right. All of us in our relationships want to do the right thing, don't we? But however much we want to do the right thing, we might at times feel tested beyond our limit. And the parent in our parable, although severely tested, is not shaken from his love. He's resolute. Because his love is perfect. The chapter had started with Jesus speaking to a mixed audience of tax collectors and Pharisees and teachers of the law and others simply described as sinners. And when, having told other parables, Jesus tells the one that we have as our passage, perhaps the listeners are listening for what they can identify with and who they can see in the story. Which character do they relate to? Is it one son, or is it the other? And what do they think of the other people that are listening to? Oh yeah, Jesus is talking about somebody who's wayward. That bunch over there that's listening, they're a bit wayward, aren't they? Oh, someone that's diligently stays at home and does what they're supposed to. That's me, that is. I always do the right thing. We listen, we want to hear the character, but maybe it doesn't quite turn out in the way that they expect. Within the parable, we discover that there is a repentant sinner. 
the one that often gives this passage its name. But there's also an unrepentant sinner. The older son is ungrateful, he's narrow-minded, he's resentful, he's unforgiving. He has no love for his brother in his heart. He refers to his brother as this son of yours. He's not even acknowledging that the young man is his brother. Does he respond to the father's pleads to join the party at the end of the passage? Perhaps, we don't know. The story stops short of that. The story seems to end with the older son still outside the fold. The one that likes to think of himself as always doing the right thing. The character that those who taught in the temple probably liked. Perhaps the one that we sometimes associate with is the one who is doing the wrong thing. The early 20th century comedian W.C. Fields famously said of his wealth, I spent half my money on gambling, alcohol, and wild women. And as for the other half, I wasted it. This is the prodigal's behavior when traveling. And maybe if we don't live that wasteful way, we might think we are right. We are righteous. That we are of pure thought. That we are of clean heart. But I wonder if that's really true. Perhaps we bear a grudge. Maybe we are judgmental. Maybe at times we're prejudiced. Maybe we gossip behind others' backs. Maybe we say things that we really shouldn't. Maybe we don't actually say it out loud, but others can tell by our body language what we actually think of them. Do we honestly look on all other people with love? The sort of love the father in the parable has for both sons? The sort of love that the heavenly father has for all people upon the earth. Jesus tells his disciples in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Because that's the image Jesus presents, the image of love. And as Jesus' disciples, we are called to show the image, the likeness of Jesus. As Paul put it to the church in Corinth, 
Just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Meaning, as we have fallen short, as we've sinned like Adam, let us love like Jesus. We're challenged, therefore, not into thinking which son of the parable we are like, the prodigal or the prudent, but how well we reflect the Father and his ways. Are we in that image? The answer, of course, is that our fatherly image and our image of Jesus that we portray is going to be very blurry and smudged. I mean, it's not a in-focus image at all. But it is something that we try for, something that we hope for in our lives, something that we can desire, and something that we can change to be closer to. And of course, I, as we think of trying to seek that image of the Father, and as we think of the story of the sons, there's that perennial issue that crops up as we often read the Scriptures. Where's the woman? Where's the wife and where's the mother? After all, it says in Proverbs 10, verse 1, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. I wonder how much grief there is in this family. How much grief there is with the son... uh, that went away and came back and how much rejoicing now takes place on that and how much grief for the son that stayed home and yet for the family is somehow distant. Is the mum still alive? Was the dad a one-parent family? You know, some have suggested over the years that the young lad gets away with wishing his dad dead because the father will do anything for him. Just as uh, Jacob's wife died giving birth to Benjamin, leaving behind Joseph and Benjamin to be spoiled children different from their brothers. There's nothing in the text to support that story. Here in this parable, it's more likely that the parable was just constructed within the patriarchal society. It doesn't record the pain and the sorrows of the mum 
as her youngest left home, nor the rejoicing when he returns. But maybe it wasn't just because of the patriarchal society. Maybe it's that it doesn't need to... Because the love of God, which is the focus of this passage, is far greater than any man or woman, any male or female, could possibly have upon the earth. God's love is infinite. The love of God is such that our Heavenly Father wants all to be welcomed to the banquet that he with his son prepares. Whether we are a prodigal that strayed far from home or whether we have stayed our life in the life of our mother church, whether we have had many a dalliance that we should not have had and squandered all we had, or whether we are sanctimoniously religious or somewhere in between, we are loved. We are loved. And each one, however far or close we are, is invited to share in the feast. Whoever we are, male or female, wealthy or struggling to keep the lights on, rich or not, God longs for us, the children adopted through his son's cross, to join as one, to be fed, and to be refreshed at the table. So let us be God's children. Let us hear that call to be his. Let us all come close and know his love. For the meal is prepared by love. Amen.